Hello and welcome to another episode of Kinetic Coffee. This is episode number 19, and it's about how to pick a good coach. Now, before I jump into that likely extremely long discussion, I'm going to try to keep it short, though. Um, I'm going to talk about a few things. One of them uh, is just the shout outs. Um, I'd like to just a quick one. Lisa Little got her first pull up and we're going to watch it right now. So she, uh, we talked a few months ago, kind of after she shot our amazing photos and she was like, uh, I just want to get a pull up. So I'm like, okay, how much time you got? She's like, well, I got some extra time and she's been doing about 15 minutes of extra work uh, between three and five days a week for the past uh, about eight weeks. And here it is. Cool. Right down, Looks right up. easy. Go, she even right a negative on the way down. Oh, oh, Almost oh. gets a second. All right. So that was really cool. Super exciting. She tried to play it off, uh, but it was amazing and she crushed it. So now... We're just going to get more and more and more. She's going to continue to do uh, some extra extra work on the side. So congrats to you, Lisa. That's awesome. Okay, so some group training considerations for next week. All right. Uh, here's we're, we're progressing our strength, obviously. Uh, it's another big jump in percentage. I had a few of you guys wonder why we... Uh, went to 77.5% from 70% and skipped 75. Uh, we didn't skip anything. Uh, it's just the progression. It, it exists this way. So when we don't go to 80% or 82% or 82.5%, don't ask me why we skipped it. We're going to 85% for our plus set next week. Now, the other unique thing about next week we're at a point in the program in these plus sets, we've been doing them at RPE eight, which is leaving a couple of reps in the tank. Uh, next week, we're going for it. Okay. We are going to do as many reps as humanly possible, which is an RPE 10, uh, which means you have zero reps left in the tank. So we'll definitely be using spotters on the squat and the bench press. Um, but if we, if we have, done our job in the last few weeks and we have a pretty good feeling of RPE. We know that if we go back down again, we won't be able to come back up if we do an RPE 10. So that's super exciting. Um, hopefully we're recovering well, we're eating well, and we're sleeping a lot. Um, okay. Next update is for Committed Club. Um, we are yeah, a little more over a week from the end of February. So I just want to tell you guys who Kim Stalkup, she already has her 15 sessions in. So even if she uh, decided not to come for the rest of the month, she still got her entry into Committed Club. Uh, people who are really close are people who have 11 or more sessions. That means it's going to be easy between tomorrow, Saturday, and next week to get in your 15. We have Kevin, Lisa, Marcy, Nathan, Amy, Shannon, Stacy and Nicole, you guys are super close. So just keep on your trend. You'll get into the committed club. People who are borderline. Um, looks like that. And that would be, I'm going to call borderline eight, eight to 10. So 
Abby, Big Abby, and Little Abby, Adam, Dina, Don, Kim H, Stephen, Kathy, Linda, Matt, Paul, Whitney, Debbie, and Scott. Actually, Scott, his he's done a couple of extra sessions. So is Lisa that didn't get counted. So they're actually closer than I thought. Anyway, you guys are really, really close. Not quite as close as the last group, but you can still make it to 15 if you come tomorrow, Saturday, and next week. You'll be good to go. Okay. Uh, got some questions about our new gear and the front. Um, we can get any size. So if uh, if you guys need a triple XL or a triple uh, extra small, whatever you guys need, we can get it for you. We will put a order form out in the front uh, and we'll, we'll get it there. Um, okay. That was my update. Now I'm going to go into the segment about how to pick a good coach. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to talk about a couple different kinds of coaches and then I'm going to qualify this and I'm going to have a big big long discussion about this. Um first of all just checking I'm still live here. Okay. Um all right. Sport coaches and trainers are two different things. Some of them are both. Uh some of them are one or the other. So sport coaches I want to talk about like if you're a wrestling coach or a rugby coach or a hockey coach these are sport coaches and there are there are certifications with the ngb the national governing bodies for each of these sports um and there are different levels within so for example uh i i started off as a hockey coach and i had my whatever level two hockey uh, certification when I was 18 years old, uh, just because I was, I was a, a coach helping out at our association. Um, USA weightlifting is similar. Okay. They have a level system. Uh, USA hockey goes to level five. I believe USA weightlifting also goes to level five. Uh, so these are just national governing body sport coaches. Okay. Um, the the level that they have may or may not mean anything. So uh, if you're looking at you know where to take your son to play hockey, the last thing that you should consider is are they a level five hockey coach? And it's 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 similar with the other national governing bodies like weightlifting, for example, um, because a level five weightlifting coach is somebody who has. Uh, coached internationally it's a very very small percentage of the coaches that are it's it's uh not that hard to get a level five in usa hockey and i think it's about the same in wrestling um it just if you have the experience you'll you'll pretty much get it even if you're a crappy coach and that's that's my whole point so there are, i've known some really really bad coaches with this uh, esteemed credential i still have a level four hockey uh usa hockey coaching certification i haven't coached hockey in six or seven years but somehow i'm a level four hockey coach so if if somebody was like hey brian can you coach my son in hockey i'd be like i am extremely rusty i need a year or two on the bench uh just you know filling water bottles before i really get in um but anyway, that's just 
so sport coaches, uh, the the level that the NGB has certified them with doesn't necessarily mean that they're worth anything. So how do you know? Uh, do you just do you just take your son or daughter and sign them up? And this guy, you know, he he played professional professional ball or or whatever. He must be a great coach, right? Uh, no. So this is really the discussion I want to get into. Uh, so I'm not going to name who it is, but it's, because this is a public thing, just in case he'll get pissed off. But about 10 years ago, when I was still coaching hockey, there was a very famous uh, professional hockey player who was helping out in a tournament that I was coaching because his son was playing in the tournament. Now, this is one of the best hockey players that ever lived. Comes on the bench. The guy cannot coach. Uh, for all intents and purposes, the guy was more qualified than anybody else in the entire building, had more experience playing the game in likely his first uh, 12 years on earth than most of the other people w- would, ever, would ever get. Um, but he couldn't even get the kid off the bench to play because he just is one of the classic examples of a great athlete. That's just, why can't you do what I do? Why, why doesn't this just work for you? Um, so there's a huge disconnect between somebody who is the top, top, top greatest athlete on earth and actually being able to tell other people, uh, how to, how to move, how to progress, et cetera, et cetera. This is not the only case of this. And I, I'm not going to beat a dead horse with it because this is a very common um, sentiment is that being a great athlete does not necessarily make a good coach. Um, you can use this analogy with, with, with any sport, but I'm going to use it in hockey because you guys know that's my background. The best coaches are either the sixth defenseman or the third goalie in hockey. So what does that mean? That's, uh, there's generally seven defensemen on a team and three goalies. Okay. So those are not starters. Those are people that spend a lot of time on the bench. I was a sixth or seventh defenseman. Um, and, you know, I'm really glad I was never a goalie, and I hope that my son never wants to be a goalie too because they're crazy. That's an aside. Okay. If your son's a goalie, no offense, uh, but he's crazy. Okay. Because who would want to get hit with a puck? All right. Never mind. That's an aside. All right. So uh, applied to any other sport, if you're not starting, if you're not in the game as much, what does that give you an opportunity to do? A, it gives you an opportunity to observe more. What are the coaches saying to the top guys? How are the top guys seeing certain situations? How are they moving? What are they doing? And if you're not the, the most natural athlete, then you have to work exceedingly hard at the things that everybody else has to do or everything else that comes easily to people. So let's, uh, because this is, you know, a gym related weightlifting and CrossFit podcast. Let's, uh, bring back the analogy to that. And everybody knows I spent a bit of time competing in weightlifting, even though I'm not competing actively anymore. Uh, when I went to Russia, uh, three of the coaches were a national, uh, an Olympic gold medalist, an Olympic silver medalist, 
and an Olympic bronze medalist. Though they did a great job with the whole thing and showing us how uh, the athletes lived and how, what it was like to be a professional weightlifter in that country through the system that they came up in, they actually were not the best coaches there. The best coach there was Vladimir Safanov. And if you guys don't know who he is, he is one of the more famous uh, Russian coaches. Russian coaches have to not only go through full-on uh, collegiate-level schooling, uh, but they're paid specifically to coach uh, maybe a maximum of four or five athletes. They're just paid salary. So this is like their full-time thing. That is a professional coach. That is the, the level of explanation, even translated from that guy versus any of the top athletes that we received instruction from. It was just night and day, and it was ridiculous. That guy never, ever competed, uh, even nationally. Uh, but he did participate in the sport, and he was a competitor. He just wasn't the best competitor. So um, in, in CrossFit, we can draw these analogies to the games athletes. It is extremely, exceedingly rare that you find a games athlete who is also a great coach. I've had experience with a pretty good handful of, of games athletes at this point uh, through various things, either personal contact or I'm helping them in some way or just uh, the various seminars that I've been to, various other certifications that I've been to. Um, I found through all of this that the games athletes, they, they might do some pretty cool stuff uh, at lunch and they, they can perform pretty well, but they generally make uh, terrible, terrible coaches when it comes to real, real people or, or trying to develop athletes. Okay. So there we have the base for the entire discussion. A great athlete does not necessarily make a good coach. So now we're going to bring it all back because I started off with sport coaches and all, and all this kind of stuff. And the whole title is how to pick a good coach, but everybody clicked on this because they want to know how to pick a good trainer or how to pick a good uh, weightlifting coach or a CrossFit coach. Okay. Let's first talk about the, the certifications because I talked about them with NGBs, but with trainers, it's a little bit different. Now, if you're interested in the sport of weightlifting, even if you're a master's, you're talking about some level of certification with the NGB of USA weightlifting. That's a bare minimum. They have to have at least a level one most of them will get a level two because it's pretty easy to get. Um, national coach, level three, four, and higher, it's, uh, you have to actually take athletes to, to nationals or the American Open Championship uh, in order to gain this credential. Okay, I set it up before that just because they have this credential doesn't make them a good coach. Weightlifting coaches tend to also be trainers. There's a list of trainer certifications. I maintain anymore. I only maintain about five of them. I used to have all of them. Okay. There's a crap ton of acronyms that nobody ever recognizes. Some of them are the ISSA, ACE, the NSCA, CrossFit, uh, Nesta. Uh, let's see. There's a million other ones. Anyway, um, those are the individual governing bodies that certify trainers all over the globe. 
do they mean anything? Absolutely not. It's these are even worse than the NGB certifications because there's no agreement between any of them. They all think that their way is the best way. They're all right and they're all wrong. Okay. So how do you get these things? The worst ones, you just go online and you pay money and then you get the certificate. Maybe there's a there's a BS quiz or something like that. And you have to prove that you know what you're talking about. You just have another window open where you're just copy and pasting. Okay. At least those tests are better than the ones where you just pay money. Then they just hand it to you. Um, one benefit of the, the CrossFit one compared to some of these other ones is at least you have to show up for the weekend and there actually is practical application involved. So that's, that's a plus for the CrossFit one. Um, but a lot of the material uh, or the way that they're explaining things at the CrossFit one is designed to teach thousands of people at the same time how to move a certain way. Now, that's actually great because CrossFit has done more to revolutionize just human movement than any of these other certifications. Um, but if you're, if you're running a gym like mine where it's more personal, uh, we're not going to use these broad general approaches to every single person. Um, hey, Marcus. I, uh, Marcus is commenting. How are you? Um, okay. So anyway, we're going back to uh, my, my soapbox here. Okay. So all these certifications, they basically mean nothing. So let's come back to how to pick a good one. In a specific sport, uh, this is actually a lot easier than if you're looking for a coach just for something more general. Okay. So if you're in a specific, like if you want to be a triathlete or you want a marathon or you want to do competitive weightlifting or, or something where there's an actual competition at the end of it, it tends to be a little bit easier to find a coach because you're going to be able to find somebody who has measurable and repeatable uh, existing athletes. So uh, here's what I mean. If you're, and, and then th here's how to filter it also. So if you are wanting to be in competitive weightlifting, knowing what I already said before, you're not just going to pick somebody who, some coach who just has the credential. What you're going to want to know is, have they coached other athletes like you? Did they start, you know, if you're 16 years old, have they coached other 16-year-olds with success? If you are a master's athlete, have they coached other master's athletes with success? And success is, you know, does the master's athlete just want to learn how to snatch? Does the, the master's athlete want to win nationals? If you're in the endurance side, is it just somebody who was good at Ironman triathlon? And they're just telling you what they did or have they coached other people to success starting from the same position that you're starting in? Like if you have some moderate uh, general base of athleticism, have they taken that person and made them successful at that thing? Okay. Um, so when we're getting into trainers again for general fitness, there's a lot of crap out there, guys. And this is the real reason for this entire podcast, because there is so much Facebook ads and junk. They will lie to you and tell you everything that you want to hear so that you think that they're a good coach. But if they don't have 
other people with results, it's it's all crap. So here's what I mean. They're going to post testimonials. Now, maybe they're fake. Maybe they're not. You know, we have done it in the past for, from our gym. We have absolutely posted testimonials. We have posted before and after shots of everything. Now, those have all been real, but what those don't tell you is a lot of uh, where they started from. Have they uh, have they gone into recidivism, which is very, very common with weight loss? There's just a lot more there. Um, a lot of these micro gyms are popping up all over the place, and a lot of them are shutting down too. Um, but it's a lot of beginner coaches, and that's okay. Uh, beginner coaches that may have just gone and got one of these online certifications that they just paid $300 for, and now they're a hashtag health coach or they're hashtag strength coach or whatever it is. They tell you what you want to hear online. You go in, you pay them money, and then maybe they're they're hurting you or, or you're not getting the progress that you thought you were going to get. Um, so this is, uh, as you can see, this is, uh, this discussion can go down the rabbit hole very, very quickly, but here, here, here are the main things to remember. Not all coaches are created equal. You're not necessarily all going to gravitate towards the same coach. So there's a lot of great coaches out there is what I want to say. There's really bad trainers. There's really bad coaches, but there's also really good ones, but the really good ones aren't for everyone. So if I had 10 people, I would not necessarily as a coach connect with all 10 of them, even if they thought that I was a good coach. Uh, it, it's, it's a certain congruence of personality and relationship. And so I, I have a certain set of criteria that I look for even when I choose athletes, because I've been doing this long enough now that I know that I can help certain people with certain personality styles, but I actually am not very good at helping other people with other personality styles. And what's what's nice is I know a lot of other coaches in the community and I can refer them to others. But unfortunately, from the athlete side, they don't know that, uh, hey, this, this coach is really famous, either nationally or just in the area. He must be for me. You need to develop the relationship to even see if that coach is a good fit, because if it's not a good fit, they're not going to be a good coach anyway. So I know that just went pretty deep. Uh, so here, here's a really good example in the CrossFit space. Ben Bergeron is one of the biggest names in coaching CrossFit. And by all measures, he's a great coach. But what if I had a specific goal that was not in alignment with either his his training philosophy or just the way that he did things. I'm not going to get anything from him because I'm not a good fit for him. So people may think that he's a good coach, but not for me. Um, so anyway, back to let's say you're a beginner in fitness. Here's how to pick a good coach if you're going through. Um, if you let's say you've decided that you want to go into a micro gym because well there are no good coaches typically at big box gyms. Let's just make that. We'll make that broad general statement. Really hard to find them. So let's say you want to go to a micro gym, uh, either CrossFit gym or a strength and conditioning gym or some specific type of micro gym. Okay. Go in there and meet with the top, either the head coach or one of the top coaches. The, the best gyms are going to give you some kind of intro session, whether it's just talking or maybe 
even a free a free workout. Do that. See if you can get along with them just on a personal level. That's the that's the first thing. And then start asking the questions that you want to know the answers to. If your goal is to do bodybuilding and you go to a strength coach, ask that strength coach how many bodybuilders he or she has produced. And they're probably going to, if they're a good coach, they're going to say, hey, I'm a strength coach. That's not my thing. I recommend you go somewhere else. They're not going to try to fake it. Um, If they try to fake it, that's one of your first red flags that this is probably not a very good coach because they're trying to fit you into a box that you're you're not supposed to be in. Um, do you like the feel of the facility? Do you do you like the culture? Do you like the other other people, other members, other coaches? Because this whole thing, you know, you're going to be spending on average at least four hours a week at this place. So you want to make sure that you're in alignment. Are they religious based? Is that is that something that aligns with you? Do they swear a lot? Is that something that aligns with you? So these are all things to consider. You know, if uh, if you come in and you're doing the intro session and you don't like swearing, and you hear the other members and the other coaches swearing on the side, that's a really good indication that that place is probably not for you. On the other hand, if you love swearing and you like you love grunting and yelling and screaming, and that's what this place is doing, and this coach is encouraging you to do that stuff, then hey, you probably found a pretty good fit. So what I'm saying is it's really important for you to go out and test out all these different ones. Don't don't just click on the first uh, baity Instagram ad that pops up in your feed and, and give them your money. Do your due diligence. There's so many of these places out there that chances are if you, if you go in and ask some questions about your goals and you get a good feel for it, you'll find the right situation for you. If you guys got questions on any of it, I'm happy to go into more detail, but I'm trying to keep this under 30 minutes. Right now we're about 27. Uh, shoot me a DM. Uh, we'll jump on the phone. Talk soon.